from the Duck South Studios in Morgan City, Mississippi. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. I want to punch you in the face so bad right now. This is the On The X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. Get the governor harumph. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Today's episode is brought to you by Advantage Multi from Bayer. Advantage Multi is veterinarian's number one choice in the prevention of heartworms, fleas, roundworms, hookworms, and whipworms. Treats and controls sarcoptic mange. Make sure your dog is protected by using Advantage Multi. I said what I said and I'll stand by it to the death. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And now, here are your hosts, Jay Paul Jackson. You just love to hear yourself talk, don't you? Even when you're not saying anything. Rocky LaFleur. Yo, Houston Kennedy. Please, Houston, we have a problem. And Josh Webb. Coons. We're raccoons trying to get on our back porch. Mama just chased them off with a broom. Welcome to the On Deck Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I'm Jay Paul Jackson, and today I'm joined by my co-host, the illustrious Rocky LaFleur and uber-talented Josh Webb. Guys, I'll tell you what, we've had a little hiatus uh, thanks to the Ducks piling in on us, but damn it, boy, it's good to be back on here with you. Ho, 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 who would know <laughs> up on the housetop, click, click, click. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Jay Paul. Uh... Josh? Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Yeah. It's hard to believe it's already (laughs) back around to Christmas. Man, I mean, in duck season, is, you know, about 40% gone. It's definitely in full swing here. How about about you guys? Rocky, for you first, uh, because I know you've been guiding some over the last couple of weeks since we've last recorded. Tell me what the hunting's been like there. Um, you know, and that's, that's something before we went on the air, I was talking to, to Josh about that we need to talk about today. Cause I want your opinion on this and see if it matches up with mine and Josh's. Um, it's a good many mallards. I, I would say the, the mallard numbers are a little bit above normal, um, for this time of the year in this type of weather. Um, Still are not seeing a lot of teal, a lot of shovelers, a lot of divers. Um, and what the the surprising one to me, the number one duck that we kill at Mossy Island Outfitters is the gadwall. And this is the theory that Josh and I came up with. There was no water in the month of November. November. Your, November. Yep. Yeah. When most of your gadwalls migrate. And I just think mm-hmm. that they skipped Arkansas and Mississippi and went straight to South Louisiana, and there are they are loaded with gadwall. Yeah, so they, I mean, they're – no, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's what we were talking about, too. And in, and in the video yesterday, too, we were talking about it is record numbers, the highest number they've seen since 05. Um, uh, and it's just uh, – I think it just created the perfect storm for them, and that's why they've been holding so many birds. But we hadn't talked to you about it either, Jay Paul. So we we were just gonna see where you lined up on the theory. 
No, I think you're dead on. And I'll tell you why. You know, we've discussed in earlier podcasts, we've had biologists from both Delta um, and DU on with us talking about how photoperiod affects certain species and gadwalls is one of those. And I think that you are exactly right. Guys that I know from, you know, Pineville, Louisiana, all the way down to Venice and uh, over to Lake Charles are all telling me that they are seeing huge numbers of, of gray ducks, gadwalls. And, you know, I think that migration occurred and they just blew right by us because of a lack of water. But now again, I do believe that we may see them move back a little bit toward this way, particularly as we continue to get new water. But yeah, I think you're dead on. I think that uh, we're seeing a lot less. And this is very interesting. You know, we discussed a few weeks ago Beaver Dam and how, you know, Nash Buckingham's day, it was a mallard pole. I mean, Beaver Dam was where you went to kill mallards. And today, like a lot of breaks in the Delta, they predominantly kill gadwalls. However, I'm getting reports, and I want to hear about this from both of you guys because you're there in the Delta, that some of those breaks that used to be great mallard holes and have, have kind of switched to gadwalls this year are seeing more mallards than they've seen in the last decade. What are your nope, thoughts on you, that? You, have you heard you that? Are, you're spot on. Um, you're spot on. There's been um, – uh, I've seen it, and then guys that hunt, around here have have seen it while they're hunting too they you know you go to a place where you're used to killing a lot of guidewalls and and instead they've killed a handful of guidewalls at most but they've had exceptional mallard hunts um which obviously there's no complaint there but it is uh it is interesting to see it uh, and i know rocky had a similar deal when he had people up hunting i guess that was last week wasn't it rocky when when uh when y'all had a y'all had a really good shoot and it was predominantly mallards in, in a spot that's usually uh, great for gadwalls. Yeah, I mean, you, you take the lake back here behind the house, Jay Paul, you know how many gadwalls. It's usually 80% gadwalls, 20% mallards, and sure. this year it's been it's just the opposite, 80%, 80% mallards, 20% gadwalls. So it, it, it just, so, that shows. I've got, a, yeah, I've got a theory on this, but before I throw it out there, what what do you two guys attribute that to? Well, I think – go I ahead. Think absolute, no, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of say this. I think the absolute perfect storm happened this year. Number one, gadwalls migrate within 10 days of Halloween. They're one of these Halloween migrators that, that go on the photo period like you were talking about. And when they pass through here, we're at a condition – in Mississippi and Arkansas and north of Louisiana, northern Louisiana, that it was extremely dry. Places that hadn't been dry in 20 years were dry. And I think that they just skipped right over us. Now, you take the fact that Louisiana right now along the coastline across to Houston, this is the absolute most perfect conditions that they've had in probably 15 years 
And you mm-hmm. put those two together, there is so much food. You ought to hear Bart talk about it from SWC Sportsman about how much food there is up and along, up and down the coast of Louisiana. And I, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I don't think that those gadwall are going to come back. I don't think they, yeah. I, I don't. I, I don't think that they're they're going to. I don't think they're going to reverse migrate. Yeah, I, I see it being tough for them to do so. Um, I mean, sure, hunt, you know, hunting pressure and and certain things will get them to move around. But the amount of habitat down there is it, it's it's just something that you just kind of have to see to believe. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, it's huge, and the uh, you know, and like you said, when they were coming down, you know, early, they're they're a lot of times an early migrator. The first, you know, major push or two, there was no water. And then we got water, which was great. Everybody got, you know, to feeling and, and, and a little bit better about things. So then the, here comes the next big push or two. Well, it was an Arctic blast, and all the water that, that was there and that was new locked up. So what they do? They just they skipped right on again. <laughs> uh, so it's just and – and on top of that, during that last big push – that part of Louisiana, Venice, and that area, they were in a split, so there was no hunting pressure. So they were, it, it it really, really just created a the absolute perfect storm. Uh, not to just keep keep on that, uh, you know, that that same saying, but but it did. It was just the perfect storm. Uh, I got a text from a guy this morning from Florida, and and he said he said I, I I'm canceling some stuff because I, I'm going, you know, some trips that he usually takes. He said, I'm going to Louisiana. He said, I'm going to Venice. <laughs> because he, he just can't, I mean, he, he said, I just can't not go. I mean, I, I've got to get over there and go. So, And I can't blame him one bit. Well, you know, man, I think that you're spot on. I mean, that's very logical, very good observation, uh, Josh. And on your part, too, Rocky, about, you know, I don't think there will be a big reverse migration. I still think you may see in your part of the world some birds move from Louisiana back uh, to the Delta, but, you know, of course, we don't see that as much also with gadwalls because they're photo period migrators more so than, say, mallards, uh, you know, or, or pintails, who we do see that with. So you're probably on to something. All right, so here's my thoughts on this. Based on almost 40 years of duck hunting now and my observations, particularly over the last several years, if you take a look at the duck numbers, we are above the long-term average almost across the boards. But gadwalls in particular are well, well above the LTA. And unfortunately, I'm in the truck driving down the road scouting, so I can't pull it up. But off the top of my head, I want to say that gaddies are 80% above the LTA, the long-term average. This is what I think has happened. I believe that as gadwall numbers have exploded and the species has proliferated so well that in areas of the delta and a lot of the breaks and places like, you know, Mossy there and uh, Beaver Dam and other breaks that we've hunted up and down the delta, the gadwall has displaced the mallard. You know, not necessarily pushed them out, but just made it crowded for them so you're not seeing as many mallards. Um, what do you guys think about that? Uh, I, I'm going back to your number one reason of why we don't see mallards, because I saw it firsthand with you. And if people, 
look, people, all duck hunters need to take a ride through the Midwest. You will understand why the mallards don't make it that this far south anymore. The the core migration, as we like to call it. There's too much food with no-till corn and corn cobs laying on the ground. Why would you leave? You're fat and happy, and as long as you have open water to drink, why would you leave? So I I think that, going back to your part about the mallards, I, I don't think that that's, I think that's why we don't see the number of mallards anymore. I think well, that's they had the to get there reason. to begin with. I mean, yeah. you know, do you think yeah. that it's potentially possible that, that the overcrowding you know, in areas because the gadwall population has exploded, may have helped contribute to pushing them that way. Dude, you, if you go back 20 years, and this is what people don't understand about duck hunting, one of the main things, ducks didn't used to be fed. There was no teal corn. There was not any no teal corn in the Midwest in the early to mid-90s, right? Right. Ducks were, right. Ducks were, ducks were going to these breaks in any spot of water they could find out of starvation. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's yeah. True. I, 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 I agree with I think with all it. the elements work together. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like it's like going from Africa, being a little African child starving to death, trying to find anything you can to eat, to now you're in the United <laughs> States with an EBT card. <laughs> hey, they believe where the food is. You know, but it's, I, I would agree with that. But I think it's I think it's a combination of factors, and here is why. I really, really felt strongly after all my traveling for the last several years, Rocky, um, that you are correct. However, one of the things that leads me to believe that the Gadwall population exploding may have contributed to that shift in migration is the fact that this year I'm hearing from guys in those breaks that you couldn't hardly find a mallard in for the last decade telling me, man, we've got mallards like we haven't had in 20 years because they don't have the gadwalls because they're all in Louisiana. So I think that provides a little bit of evidence that it's all of the above and that you can't pinpoint and say it's just one thing. No, I think that's a minor factor. I do. I, I'm not disagreeing with you there. I was just making the point of, I was, I'm going to tell you something. As far as the migration of ducks, up until about four or five years ago, and learning a lot of stuff from you and talking to different biologists, I never really understood what was going on. And there's a lot of factors of why. You know, the old question, where are the ducks? You know, we, I mean, we're, we're doing this Facebook Live about the migration report, and we're trying to give, give out reports, you know, of what's going on in certain regions, and it's always top question. Just shut up and tell us where the ducks are. Well, <laughs> you, you got to give a little bit of love to the people that, is, that are giving you this information. But... <laughs> Anyway. Oh, no doubt. But see, I see. I think you're right, though. I mean, that's exactly what I was trying to say. I think it's a little bit of everything, you know, and, and you've come to realize that, too. And the reason that I say that and I'm making such a big deal about this is because, you know, I get sick of hearing guys try to blame one thing for the demise in their hunting. 
You know, I mean, because very rarely is it one thing. You've got to take a look at the big picture. You know, it's a whole lot of different factors influencing it. It's not just one thing most of the time. In certain circumstances like today, I hunted today um, at our club. We've got, you know, over 3,000 acres. I never picked up my duck call this morning because all of our water is hard. It's frozen solid. And we've lost all of our ducks. Um, I'm not really worried about it. It's all coming. But what you know, I, yeah, that's I what I was about today, to say. That, that's yeah, what I'm I wanted you to hit on was well, yeah, that's what I wanted you to hit on was the thaw because we were talking to boys from Tunica and Delta Duck Hunts the other day and all of their stuff locked up too and they said they weren't worried about it because those birds generally hang out around the river, um, you know, find open water and as long as it's not a a very prolonged period, three or four days, that the birds are returned. And I guess y'all probably see about the same thing up there in your area too, don't you? Oh, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, I'll have them again. But my point was, so today I can say, yes, it is one thing. We're frozen. But it's, that's the reason I'm not killing ducks right now. But very rarely is it that you can just blame it on one thing. And these guys that just, you know, try to try to have one factor that they hang their hat on, oh, and we're not getting ducks because they're feeding them in Illinois, or, you know, we're not killing <laughs> ducks anymore because they're lying about the counts, or, you know... <laughs> No, it's a bunch of different. No, you're things. right. You're right. They'll do it though. I know that it happens. I agree. Everybody, you're exactly right. Yep. So, all right, Jay Paul, let me bring let me bring up a minor point. All right. Okay. First question is is a te- a teal is a photo a photo migrator, correct? Photo period migrator, right? Okay. Now, another little bit of information from Louisiana, you have to make yourself stop shooting teal to kill big ducks. There are so many teal in South Louisiana. Yep. And, and I we're agree not with seeing that the teal around here. No, we're not either. In West Tennessee at this time of year, you know, we would be saying, hey guys, let's, let's hold off on the teal and see if we can get some big ducks normally. That's not happening. Matter of, As a matter of fact, I've been eating more mallards in December than I ever have. Usually teal is a staple at the club during December because we're killing so many of them, but we're not. Now, let me throw a crazy one at you, Rocky. Josh, how many times have you heard somebody hunting a rice field talk about having to be careful not to shoot too many canvas backs? Hmm. Never. Yeah, not often. Yeah, not often, if ever. I don't think I've ever heard that. We're killing between two and ten canvas backs in our best rice field every single day. That is amazing. Yep. Matter that, of fact, yesterday that, afternoon. I'm sorry, Josh. No, no, you're fine. No, no, go ahead. I mean, that that's just that's mind-boggling. That, that, that's amazing. Yesterday afternoon, as a matter of fact, the guys went out to start opening a hole, thinking it would stay open, which it didn't. It was frozen tight again this morning, although it was a whole lot easier to bust out. But uh, the only duck that they shot, of course, they didn't really hunt. They were more working. The only duck that they shot was a big bull canvas back. And we've been every single day. I would say on that field, we average half a dozen canvas backs 
every single day in our best rice field. And I have no clue why. I mean, we are, you know, we're close to the Mississippi River, but it's a few miles as the crow flies. We're not right adjacent to it. You know, it's several miles over to the big river. Um, we don't have a big lake on us or anything like that, but we're killing canvasbacks every single day in the rice field. And that's one I can't figure. I don't even have a theory about. I have no idea. I don't. I don't. I don't either. I don't know where to start on that one. That's. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I I really don't know. I've never. I mean, I you know, every now and then you hear somebody get, you know, a pair of cameras back or something will trickle into a you know a rice field or something. But being that consistent on canvas backs. I, I don't know. Enjoy it. That's all I can tell you to do. <laughs> I, I, oh, I, we are. That, you know that. That's just. A, I don't know. That's. It, it's amazing though, at what the birds and what everybody's seeing. You know, like, uh, you know, mallards in places versus gadwalls and and stuff like. That. It's amazing to hear all these stories up and down the flyways because it's just. Uh, I don't. I don't. We've had great weather to push birds down, but it's just. Um, it's just been interesting, but. Again, we're hunting migratory, you know, animals. They can do what they, what they please, really and truly. If you know, but it's, uh, I don't know. I, it makes me want to go to Tennessee and shoot a canvas bag. <laughs> hey, come on, brother! I would love to have you. We're gonna be hunting all next week. It's gonna thaw out today and tomorrow. I guarantee you. By Monday, we're gonna be back into them again, and I'll be surprised if they go away. Also, um, so after we killed cans two days in a row uh i went and got a dozen hardcore canvas back decoys and guys man you can see them bouncing on the water from half a mile away they look fantastic in a spread and when the sun's hitting them and the wind's blowing and there's you know a good ripple on the water and they're dancing I mean, it's amazing how they draw birds in. Now, I got them because we've been shooting canvas backs and I wanted to shoot some more. Um, but now that I've got them, I think I'm going to keep throwing them out every day no matter where I'm hunting on the farm because you really can see those canvas back decoys. Yeah, those and, and canvas back decoys are, are, are hard to come by. Uh, so it's, uh, but, but I think it's a, it's an interesting, it gives an interesting look to your spread, too. Well, that's that's really cool that you added them in there. It does. They, they do really well. A little tip: if you're going to do them, particularly if you're in an area where you've got divers, take those canvas back decoys and put them out on the tip of your spread, uh, at the at the edge of where you're comfortable shooting, where they're very visible, and they will draw them right in to them. It's pretty cool once we figured it out to see how these birds are working because, you know, ringnecks, bluebills, canvasbacks, they all decoy so well. And, buddy, they sure hone in on them and go directly to them. So <laughs> there's a tip with that and a dollar you can get a cup of coffee. <laughs> well, I'm going to give my theory on why the canvasbacks are there. Tell me about I it. Think that there's, I think that there's so much... Normally, open water up north of you that is frozen right now that I think it pushed them down. And there's no usual places that canvasbacks would usually hang out or 
I mean, how bad dry are are you still up there? I mean, it's really dry, right? Oh, if we hadn't pumped, I mean, people that rely on Mother Nature to give them water are still hurting. I mean, we haven't had a ditch running rain in weeks. When you guys got six inches, we got two. When you guys got three, we got a half. So, um, yeah, we're hurting still. And I think you may be on to something. And I also will note, I left this out earlier, but where we are, the field that we're shooting them in is the biggest stretch of water that we have. And you can't really judge the water depth, I'm sure, if you're a bird flying over it. So, and they're coming. We're hunting the deeper edge, and uh, they're coming right into our decoys. So I think you're on to something there, Rocky. Well, hey, look, I want, I want to go back to the, to my earlier point, J-Paul, because what year did you start duck hunting? What what year was it? <laughs> Do I have to say? Yeah. Uh, 1970, 71, 72. Good Lord. How old were you, like two? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how old no, were I you was... in 72? Yeah. In 72, I was eight years old. <laughs> I was eight years old. I had a, a, a Savage Stevens 20-gauge single shot. Uh, that I got when I was probably six or seven. Uh, I never had the requisite 4'10". I guess it's because I was a big kid, even as a six-year-old. And when I was nine for my birthday, my dad got me a Remington Model 1100 gas-operated 20-gauge, and I loved it because it didn't have the dead gum recoil that that single shot had. All right, well, there, there's a per. There's there's a purpose in asking you that. All right, so you grew up hunting in the 70s and 80s, correct? Yep, yep. All right, think back. How many people went out and intentionally planted corn or beans and intentionally flooded a field for a duck in the 70s and 80s? Oh, I mean, no one that I know of. I can't remember. Oh, man. Maybe ten percent of what it is now. I'm talking intentionally yeah, now. Yeah, I would yeah, there, say there, less there, than that. Yeah, I mean there were drainage issues. You had flooded fields that you could hunt. Don't get me wrong, but there were because of drainage issues. People didn't intentionally flood a field back then and put well, food I mean, in the it for a duck. The, the economic mentality was so different. Nobody would dream at that time of leaving fifty acres of standing corn that they could harvest and convert to cash. I mean, there were rice yeah, Joe, fields over right. in Arkansas. I mean, there were rice fields in Arkansas that people intentionally flooded, and there were some rice around here that people would intentionally flood. So it goes back. But and I don't the large go, scale look, look, that you see today. Look, I, I don't want to go in depth about this today because I want to save it for another podcast. But do you agree with me during that time period up until, say, 1995? Ducks freaking starved to death. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah, I, I mean, they, I agree they with just, that. They were sca- like scavenging dogs, find, trying to find anything to eat. And I, I think that that's why, you know, the, the heritage of flooded timber was born, because that's where the ducks went, because there was water there, and they were scavenging for food in these areas. I, I agree with you 100%. And I've got some really interesting facts that uh, a buddy of mine, 
who's a waterfowl biologist, gave me a couple years ago. But I want to save it for our next podcast. I'm going to tell you some things, Rocky, that are going to put all of this in much greater perspective because you just hit on something that uh, you're dead on and you probably don't even know why. Well, look, hey, I got some interesting news for you. We're going to probably do it in our midweek podcast next week. Just for the listeners and everybody that's listening to this podcast, the first podcast next week, uh, the early week podcast, we're having Jay Gregory join us and Shannon Nardi and Jake Latundras. We're going to have like a roundtable discussion about Jake's new TV show called The Other Side. So that should be oh. real interesting in the early podcast next week. So, Well, and let's also come back and let's talk about what's changed. You're dead on, Rocky. You know, people did not put out food intentionally in the number and the quantity that they do today, but there's a reason for that. And uh, you can take a look at the evolution of duck hunting, and there are two or three things that have changed over the years that you can tie it to that I want to discuss with you guys when we come back next time. So uh, I think between that and Jay and Shannon and Jake, we're going to have some really, really cool stuff here between Christmas and New Year's. All right, I got a question for you before before we all sign off, being Christmas and all. What is – I heard a heated discussion between three or four people the other day. They were naming their top three Christmas movies of all time. What what is you? What are you, what's your guys' opinion? What's your top three mo- Christmas movies of all time? Uh, number one, number one for me is It's a Wonderful Life, and everything else <laughs> drops way back behind that. You're so you freaking talking? old. You're gonna be on a walker in like five years. <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life is classic. It came out way before I was born. Okay? It is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but. Yeah. It is the Frank Captain. It is yeah, a classic. Yeah. You are so Well, it is old. good, but. Yeah. What's Duck your Duck Hunting in 1970 at eight years old. <laughs> you old. I'm just picking <laughs> Anyway, I'm, I'm not far away. Well, <laughs> what, what what's your movie selection, Rocky, or your number one? Anyway, oh man, I'm going with Christmas Vacation. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, me oh too. gosh, uh, top th- give me your top three, Josh, right quick before we close. <clears throat> um, um, because because I wasn't alive in like the fifties, like somebody. I mean the seventies, like my up on our podcast. Um. Uh, I go with. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't alive in the fifties either. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry about that. No, uh, no. Christmas vacation is is uh, is a good one. Um, and I the I can't remember if it was the first one or the second one of the Home Alones where uh, where he's in New York. I wore that thing that dang tape out, and I still watch it. Uh, that those those were always good um, because I guess because they were so relatable because I was about that age <laughs> when they came out so so I, I watched those and then I was something that my wife and I started doing back when we were even dating uh, was uh, every year 
for Christmas. Uh, we, we watch all of uh, all of Lonesome Dove. We watch the whole thing every year. It's not a Christmas movie. It's just what we do on Christmas. So uh, <laughs> it gives me it gives me an excuse to watch Lonesome Dove every year. But but anyway, how about you, Rocky? That's mine. <laughs> J. Paul, did you see uh, Cousin Joshua yesterday on the Migration Report? No, I did not. <laughs> you need to look it up. <laughs> I'm gonna be uh, sure Josh, to check that out. Yeah, Josh didn't make it back from Colorado till today, so I, I had a stand-in with me on the migration report yesterday, cousin cousin Josh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, I was at, I was down hunting and or working in the field. I can't wait to see what I missed. All right, I'm gonna throw one more. I'm gonna let you guys laugh at me one more time. So I told you, um, it's a wonderful life for me. It's number one. You want to know what number two is? Take a guess, one of you two. Uh, what's the name of the one that they show on TBS every day? That's a seventies movie where I'll shoot your eye. You'll shoot your eye out. Yeah, that's what I was trying. What is the name of that one though? Um, oh yeah, where he gets the Red Rider BB gun. Um, yeah, Ralphie. Yes. Oh, I can picture J. Paul no. being Ralphie. <laughs> Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it was like a thirties or forties or fifties movie. Heck, I don't even know. <laughs> Ralphie, thank you very much. Ralphie. Yeah, Ralphie. Yeah. Hey, what color oh, is your man. pill case? <laughs> well, what? Well, what? Day, it depends on the day of the week. Monday's green, Tuesday's yellow. <laughs> oh my goodness! You know? Do you write? Uh, just because a guy hits the half century mark doesn't mean that he's old. Okay. I mean, uh, the sad you part always, is, uh, Go ahead. You know what the really, really crappy part is, Josh? I can remember when I thought 35 was, like, ancient, and today I think, oh, my gosh, 35 was so damn young. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that is true. I remember thinking 40 when I was a graduating high school. Man, they're 40. That's about how old my mom and dad were. I was thinking, wow, they are old. God, now I'm 40. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> it's I'm losing it's, sight in one of my eyes. I mean, one of my eyes is blurry. So I'll be, be getting reading glasses here in the next year or two. Oh, I'm well past that. Josh, you look at what you've got to look forward to. Well, man, I'll tell you what, guys. We've covered a lot of really good ground today. And uh, I'm glad you brought that up about the Gadwall numbers in Louisiana, because I do think that there is something to the fact that people are shooting them in the brakes down there now, mallards, because they don't have the gadwalls, and uh, definitely some food for thought. I'm going to try to dig a little bit deeper with my guys at DU and at Delta and see what they have to say about that, too. Guys, it's been great being on here. Either one of you guys have any final thoughts you want to add before we go? Yeah, look, I want to say before the the end of the year closes out and Christmas gets here, from the bottom of my heart, thank you from from all of us for the huge following with the Only X podcast now. And to all you guys that are listening, Merry Christmas. And I hope Santa brings you a fistful of green. So (laughs) Merry Christmas to all you guys. Josh, 
Nope, I, I follow the same lines as Rocky. Uh, you know, man, we wish a Merry Christmas and, and Happy New Year to everyone, and uh, look forward to. I really look forward to digging more into this, into the the Gadwall and and Mallard theory uh, on the next podcast. Yeah, we're going to discuss that, and we're also going to talk about the way that we duck hunt today, the amount of food we leave why that evolution has occurred and how it's all affecting the migration the next time around. But in the meantime, both you guys, Rocky, Josh, man, this has been great so far this year, having you guys and you letting me be a part of this as your co-host. Wish both of you guys and everybody out there also a very, very Merry Christmas and hope you enjoy this edition of the On The X Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com.